The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is sponsored by Worm FM, the new humane cattle worming solution from Mitchell's. If it's not Mitchell's, get back in the truck. Worm FM is a transmitter which emits a signal at a frequency that only intestinal worms can comprehend, telling them how proud we are of their accomplishments, but that it's time to leave the cattle they're living in and retire to Florida, promising a better life in the humid swampland of Boca Raton. This inspires the worms to leave through the herd's anuses. In fact, a full anal worm exodus is guaranteed within 24 hours. You'll know when it's happening because the sky will darken with birds. The worms will think the birds are transporting them to Florida, but you and I know that that's not what's happening. For 10% off Worm FM, use the code Don't Touch That Dial. and welcome to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast, the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the podcast companion to the Beef and Dairy Network website and printed magazine, brought to you by Worm FM. This month's episode features a story that we first heard about on the Beef and Dairy Network web forums, where network members were discussing whether they'd ever done research into their family tree. Most people revealed relatively mundane progenitors, generations of hovel-dwelling, pig-milking simpletons and criminals. But one network member from Idaho, who works in a factory putting labels on meat that denote the quality of that meat on behalf of the US Department of Agriculture, revealed an exceptionally interesting ancestor, who she discovered with the help of a new family tree tracing service, the Kinburetum. Her story was so extraordinary, we knew we had to get in touch. Here's our interview with Angela Baker. Hello, my name is Angela Baker. I am a resident of Moscow, Idaho, and I work at the Moscow USDA labeling service. Okay, so before we get to the big reveal because I'm not giving anything away really to say that you found out you were related to somebody pretty significant. I did I did find that out, yeah. I, I just want to say, we found you on the forums. Just a little plug for the forums, actually, because a lot of people think you've got to work, you know, really close to the beef and dairy industries to get involved in those forums. But um, you work in a labelling factory. I'm not hands-on investigating and, you know, summarizing the quality of beef in America necessarily, but the labels that my factory is responsible for printing, without those labels, no one would know if their beef was poisoned, if their dairy, you know, was poisoned. I guess other things other than poison can happen too, but I always think that's the most sexy sounding, you know, in like a spy thriller kind of way. Sure. So so essentially you're Printing the labels that the U.S. Department of Agriculture used to to show wh- which of the meats are spoiled exactly. and which of them are, I see exactly. So some people would say that's maybe the most important part. People all day can do you know the investigating, but that information is not going to get to the public without the labels. So in some ways, people would say that's the most important part. You're certainly part part of the beef family. That's what I wanted to get across to our listeners. And you know, <laughs> even you, if you, oh. you know, even if you work at a tangent to the beef industry, I think you're you're still you know, or you know, very close, very close in it, like I do. 
Of course, of course. You know, and, and you'll be, I guess, you know, going into work, they'll be printing out thousands of little stickers saying tainted or, or whatever on it, uh, you know, destroy this meat, things like that. Those labels are a little bit, there's, they're further away from my labels. My labels are, this is okay. Oh, so you're on the positive side of the factory. Very positive side, yeah. I'm not a negative person. Speaking of taint, I didn't want to, that to taint me as an optimist. Taint. 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 Oh, so do you feel like, you know, your, your personal attributes have an impact on the way you're able to print stickers? And so somebody whose job it is to make the more negative st- stickers, they need to be a more negative personality. Is that what you're saying? We may start exactly the same way, but you find that you're a more optimistic person if you're looking at stickers that say, you know, that have like stars on them. Maybe they have four stars. Maybe they have a smiley face. Maybe they have like a happy pig. That does put a smile on your face. You know, you become your work. Your work becomes you. The people down at the factory who are printing out those more negative meat labels, what are they like? They're very wrinkly. Uh, they have, you know, when you can just tell someone is always scowling, even when they're asleep. So just very, very wrinkly. Their faces are very red. Uh, they're very angry all the time. And, you know, I would say don't trust them. Okay, well, I, what I'm saying is you're part of the beef family, they're part of the beef family, and, you're, you know, all welcome for them to join the Beef and Dairy Network forums online or, or indeed to, uh, to sign up to the magazine. Now, let's talk about what we're here to talk about you did a bit of digging with your family tree, or I believe you actually employed a, a service to do this. The Kin Baritum. Uh, not that catchy. When I heard about the Kin Baritum, which so I hang on, was that's, like, that's what sort is of the... kin meaning family, and then Baritum meaning sort of Arboretum. Yeah, which I thought it had something to do with burritos. It's a clumsy portmanteau, I think. That's not their strongest suit. Um, but when they said, you know, this is like a fun, laid-back way to find out where you come from, I got excited because I thought, finally, something that will work for me, that will give me that feeling of empowerment, of feeling connected to something older. The Kinburitum have promised to send you a detailed family tree based just on a sample of saliva. Too good to be true? I spoke to Angela's husband. Hi, uh, I'm David Baker. I'm Angela's husband. He started by telling me how he met Angela. Well, you know, it was my buddy's birthday, and uh, we were up uh, at Niagara Falls. And then after that, you know, we got real hungry looking at that water. (laughs) We went to a diner, and I got real sick. See, it turns out that I ate some donkey meat that was poorly labeled. See, down at the labeling factory, there was some kind of mix-up. And then from the mix-up, they put a label on it saying that it was five-star quality donkey filet when it should have said burn this filthy meat. So, you know, the Department of Agriculture got involved. They went ahead, contacted me, and it turns out that the factory wanted to apologize to me in person. I've never been to a labeling factory, so I definitely wanted to go up there. And up by up there, I mean Moscow, Idaho, because that's where it was. So I drive up there, and, well, I was met by Angela. She showed me around, uh, and she labeled my heart, and I labeled hers. Oh, that's so romantic. You guys fell in love that quickly? Man, we just hit it off. We were inseparable. We just connected on a level that is unexplainable. And everything was amazing. And then she got that company to do her family tree. As soon as she saw the advert for the Kinburitum, Angela began collecting spit to send to them. 
I sent them 18 cups. And I don't mean like a, I mean like an actual cup. Like, uh, I don't know how, how that translates into kilometers or whatever you people use, but it was a lot of spit. Consequently, you know, they sent it back to me. They sent, they said, we only need, you know, about like one third of one of these cups. Okay, so at the beginning of this interview, I, I kind of trailed the fact that, um, that you did find out you were related to somebody quite notable. And um, I wonder whether now you could tell us exactly who that is. Well, yes, um, I was, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I expected like a little envelope and that's not what happened at all. There was actually a knock on my door. I open up the door. I can't see anyone around, no people around. There's a tiny calf, like a cow calf, standing there. There's like a box on the top. It's strapped on almost like a, a, like a saddle. And it's like covered in glitter, which later turned out to be a problem because they, they could not get it off the calf. But that's like not my problem. I open up the box and inside that was a USB. And I pull out the USB. I tell the calf to wait. And then I go inside. I put the USB in. And I find out that I was, in fact, related to Christopher Van Tuschelboot. Christopher Van Tuschelboot. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a big day. It was a big day. Now, I'm sure, you know, our listeners will have heard of Christopher Van Tuschelboot. Surely any Americans listening uh, will. Yeah. Obviously, you know, in the US, it's the kind of thing you learn at school. There's Van Tuschelboot Day which is a national holiday. Yeah. Um, but for those living outside of the US, maybe you can tell us a bit about who Van Tuchelboot is and, and what he means to Americans and what a big deal this was for you. It seems weird to me that you'd be listening to this podcast without without knowing this, but okay. Um, so Christopher Van Tuchelboot was the first beef farmer in America. We know when the early European settlers came to America, everyone knows they were almost exclusively eating turkey, which caused a great deal of laziness across the settlements because of the tryptophan. So there was just a lot of lying around. People were like in these what they described as waking dreams. It was like an existential nightmare because all they were eating was turkey. And Van Tuchelboot was able to bring, I'm not even sure, it's like a mystery where he got the cow. So that's a little bit of like a religious thing that I don't necessarily, you know, that may be like, a, there may be a very practical explanation for it, but that has been lost to history. So we don't know where he got this first. Well, some some historians believe, don't they, that that he was actually born across the Atlantic in a boat that was towed by 10 swimming cows that were tugging the boat along. I, I don't know if that's yeah, real or not. You'll see I mean, that you, on yeah, old you, you etchings see and that. There's like they, Now there's, of course, songs about that and like there's pop-up books and stuff depicting that. I don't know how much of that is true or not true, but I do know that he changed America and that is why we all consume some might say insane amounts of beef now. Van Tuchelboot himself sailed from Rotterdam, I believe, in the early 1600s, and was it was a was a Dutch man. Yeah, I'm noticing that you, you know you have, you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm. a, a Dutch Dutch sounding accent. I do I is it am I doing that? <laughs> but you're you're not. I just so want to be clear. You, you didn't you didn't think of yourself as being Dutch. No, no, I, I, <laughs> it turned out that I have a 
it's not so much like a, a gift for languages because I, do, I still don't speak Dutch. But in the study of Dutch and taking, there was a Dutch, there's a Dutch person named uh, Lydica Geros who lives here in Moscow. Uh, and she started trying to teach me Dutch. And while I retained almost none of the Dutch, I really, she had a beautiful accent and that's what stuck with me. And now I can't get rid of it. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> I've tried. But I guess it, it brings you closer really to your your heritage. Yeah, I guess at the time it felt like the next best thing. You know, if you can't master the language, the the at least if you can master the accent, which again, I, I want to say I did not do that either. This is a weird accent. I know it's not. It's like all over the place, but it's it's close enough. Angela was delighted when she found out she was related to Christoffel van Tuschelboot. Maybe for the first time in her life, she felt special. But David wasn't so pleased. When she found out that she was related to Christoffel Van Tuschelboot, she went off the rails. She was like, finally, I'll get some respect in this town. And she sold our apartment and bought this huge mansion. And it was just me and her and this tiny cow that was covered in glitter. You know, it was okay, you know. Then she started the Dutch accent thing. She just started talking with a Dutch accent. She never sounded like that before. I mean, what the fuck? You know, it's not even a good Dutch accent. Like, no, I, no, I just want to apologize to the Dutch. But being related to Christoffel van Tuschelboot doesn't mean you suddenly have lots of money, right? So, you know, there's no inheritance. So where's the extra money coming from for the down payment on this huge mansion? I did get a huge payout from the Department of Agriculture, and I should have signed a prenup uh, because she's digging right in there. I mean, none of it's coming from any of her funds. This is straight up David Baker bills getting tossed into this home. And, you know, I'm a simple man. I never wanted these things. And at first I was like, if it makes her happy, it makes me happy. And then, you know, it just kept getting worse. She started buying fancy things for the little cow. And I was like, hold up a second. I'm not married to the cow. What kind of stuff is she buying for the cow? You say fancy things, but what do you mean? What, what does that mean? Well, you know, the technology isn't there yet to buy things like pants, jackets for cows yet. Uh, so, you know, she was just buying all types of scarves for this cow. And I'm not talking like your regular mom and pop shop scarf. I'm talking about every fashion house, you know, Gucci scarf, Louis Vuitton scarf, DKNY scarf, Mason Margiela scarf. I'm like, who are these people and why are they making such expensive scarves? And why are you putting them on a cap? Angela admits that maybe she went too far. It was a little crazy at the beginning because it was like, you know, you get high off of this information and just sort of you sort of live in a blur for a little while before your feet touch the ground again and you're bankrupt. Right. So you're not still living in the in the mansion. No, that was foreclosed on me within like two months. Yeah, I couldn't make those payments. I had to sell the calf, which was very hard. Do you get more for a calf that's kind of covered in glitz that you can't get off or less? Much less. Right. Yeah, significantly less. Right. That's a shame. Yeah. I hope I hope she's doing okay. Lost track of her. Eventually she spent all our money. We ran out. And then, I guess to get more money... She sold the little cow without me knowing. 
Wow, you sound um, you sound really sad about that, which is kind of surprising because the way you were talking about the the calf and and how she was spending all her money on scarves for it, it sounded like you resented the calf. Actually, it was it was really hard. It was one of the hardest days because you know I was the scarves were starting to grow on me, and I was starting to see the vision. I was starting to see the beauty of having a little cow that's bedazzled in the home. And right when I get ready to accept it, I actually was bringing home a bunch of hay for, and it was the first thing I bought myself for the little cow. And it was gone. Did you know how much she got for it? No, she wouldn't say. She wouldn't say. All she said was that she organized a family reunion at a convention center in Florida. And it, it re- that what really sucks about that is knowing that that was paid for with little cow money. More after this. There are some things in life that I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me, like mattresses and bottles of wine. But what if you could do the same for hiring? That's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It lets you pick your favourites from the best candidates. How does it work? ZipRecruiter sends you qualified candidates and you can easily invite your top choices to apply for your job. Lauren Webb, SVP of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health, raves about ZipRecruiter's invite to apply. She says, I love that feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite candidates. See for yourself. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash B-E-E-F to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B. had found a Facebook group for people who were also related to Christoffel van Tuschelboot. To her surprise, it was thousands strong. With a few other members of the group, she organised a huge family reunion event. The first thing to decide was where to hold it. You know, we wanted, we said, like, let's do this right. Let's meet in New England where, you know, he first made landfall with the rest of the the colonist settlers at the time. Uh, Come to find out, that's not where he ended up. He was aiming for that. He ended up in Florida, what is now Florida. And and it's what we know as Fort Lauderdale. Right. He really missed, he really sort of... He was very off the mark, which that actually suggests that maybe the whole, like, all the swimming cows thing was true because uh, that would explain partially why he was so off course. You know, I don't know how much you can control very, very fatigued cows who have been swimming for weeks. Yes. Well, it's, it's well known, isn't it, that when a cow starts to tire, they do start turning left a bit. They always veer left. They always veer left. Well, they're left-brained. That's it. You know, it's like when you meet a person who's left-handed, you know, you could say, oh, you're like a cow. Well, left-handed people have that special bond with cows, don't they? It's amazing deep, to watch, actually. Deep bond. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So in you find out that he made landfall in what is now Fort Lauderdale yeah. um, and decided to, to put the conference there. So, you know, lovely 
warm place for a conference? Yeah, then we did it in the dead of summer, which looking back, you know, I just we weren't we were so excited to get it going um, that when we did it in in August and it was, you know, very, very hot. And and then there were also a couple of uh, hurricanes that came through. You know, it was an adventure. (laughs) It was an adventure. You know, a couple of people got blown away. We don't know what happened to them. But uh, that's that's. You know, that's mimicking the adventure that that our ancestor must have had when he was crossing over the ocean. So, you know, I'm sure they're doing great somewhere. Now, when you got to Florida, obviously you're, for the first time, meeting in person these yeah. thousands, thousands of other people who, who share a common ancestor with you. Yeah. How did that feel? Did you feel great, these are my people? Or did you feel, oh, maybe I feel a bit less special because suddenly the thing that is my unique thing that gives me my sort of feelings of self-worth is suddenly something that everyone here has as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's a moment when I started to realize that I was pushing very hard to stay special within this large group. I was trying to come up with very unique ways of kind of showing off uh, at the convention. You know, a couple other people that I'd become pretty tight with, uh, we had, you know, we we commissioned uh, like a 50-foot, I don't know how that is in kilometers for you people, but there was like a 50-foot statue of made of frozen beef of, of Christopher and... Um, in retrospect, again, with the high winds and the tremendous, tremendous heat and humidity, uh, that did not go necessarily as planned. And I think it was in that moment as I started to see the the clumps of flies just taking giant chunks of Christopher and just like, you know, fer- ferreting them away to lay eggs in and stuff. I started to feel like the, the bloom was off the rose uh, to mm. a certain degree. And I realized I had been pushing to do all of these very intense, you know, big product production stuff because I was feeling a little bit less special. And of course, your your tattoo. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, like sometimes people say, oh, I got a tattoo. I regret it. You know, I wish I hadn't done it. Mm. I thought if I had shaved the back of my head and made his face to scale on the back of my head, that I could always grow in my hair if I decided that I didn't want, I mean, I just couldn't see a time in which I wouldn't want it, but that I could that I could uh, grow that hair in. So I had done that and 50 other people had done the exact same thing. And she has this tattoo on the back of her head of the old Dutch guy. And that changes things. Like, I'm gonna be frank with you here. There's just certain sexual positions now where I just lose focus. And then when I snap back to reality for a second, my brain thinks I'm fucking an old-timey 1600s Dutch farmer. And to be honest, I'm kind of into it. Now, you're currently showing me the back of your head, Angela, and the the sheer amount of tattooing that's gone on there has left some quite deep scars there, which I believe mean that the, the hair can never grow back. Yeah, but also it means that the face has been distorted somewhat, and actually, I have to say, it looks almost exactly like the actor William H Macy. Yeah, he looks a lot like William H Macy. You're not the first person to say that. A um, lot of people see that. Now, when you think about it, you take a long look at William H Macy. He looks Dutch. 
I've been invited to actually join a couple of William H. Macy fan clubs. Yes, in times when I was, you know, deeply in debt from all of this stuff uh, with Tuzo Boat, I did, you know, I did accept those invitations and I did do some posing. And it's embarrassing because you have to also wear your clothes backwards and you just have to stand and you have to learn to walk backwards. It was on the final day of the family reunion when things began to unravel. Many of us were just sitting around the pool. It was one of the few places the chlorine fumes were strong enough that the flies would sort of leave us alone if we were over there. So we were all sitting around the pool and people were talking. And I don't know how this hadn't come up before, but someone actually, my, my, the, my friend Milton, actually came and he had printed out the family tree. It's a large tree. The print is very, very small. Milton worked with computers so he knew like none of us did how to enlarge the image of the tree by some kind of crazy magic how oh, so he he could kind of zoom in on the pdf somehow i don't he, know how i don't know possible. the terms no. i don't know the terms but he enlarged that wow. tree and to where you could actually read the names and he had printed it out on like a big old poster board type thing and he brought it out because we all thought it would be fun to look at together and so we started to look at it and I, I said, well, let me let me see if I could you do the same thing with mine. And so he did that with mine. And then many other people said, oh, well, let's look to see where we meet on this tree. And almost try and create a, a, a sort of meta yes. tree with everyone on it. We all started to get Milton to get these things printed out. And it the very strange thing happened, which was that when we all took a close look at the tree we realized that Kinberidum had given us all literally the same tree. All of the names were the same in the same place. The only thing that was different was like the top name, which was each of our own names. And everything else was a, was like a duplicate. Yeah. Angela alleges that every person who sends off their saliva to the Kinberitum gets the exact same family tree. That's right, they tell everyone that they're related to Christoffel van Tuchelboot. Yeah. How did you not notice, Angela? Because, you know, your name's there on the family tree, and then if you look up a step... Yeah. Sh- surely then that yeah. should be the names of your parents. So, well, yeah. why didn't you realise? I, I mean, I assume it wasn't the name of your real parents there. So how did you not realize? You don't know the power of seeing your name on the same page, if you will, as Christopher Van Tuchelboot. When you see that, everything else is like this adrenalized blur. You know, underneath my name, where my parents' name should have been, yes, it did say uh, Raymond Van Houtman III and, uh, the, you know, Princess Vera of Limburg. That is what it said my parents' names were. I just hadn't looked Angela's experience at the family reunion suggests that something is going on. But what do the Kinberitum, or the people behind the Kinberitum, get out of all of this? Well, they're getting our money, and more importantly, they're getting our spit. I don't know what they did with that spit. They've got, like, a library of spit. I don't know, they could be, like, planting DNA evidence on crime scenes all over the world with our spit. You know, this is the dark arts we're talking about here. 
Have you had any communications from foreign police forces about crime scenes that you've been linked to? Not yet. But it seems imminent. Right. I mean, what are the chances that they're not... They got our money, that we all paid a fee into them, they all sent us the same information, they all made us feel important. I found out later, this is just a side note, that they do own the Fort Lauderdale Convention Center and Hotel. So that was all. There was like a lot of scheming going on. We're still unpeeling that onion, you know? We're still finding out all the things that they may have profited from because of, you know, this this thing that they were telling people. And I don't even... I don't know where those calves came from. How do you feel now? You know, you've been through a lot. You've gone from a situation where you you believed reasonably that you were related to Christoffel van Tuchelboot. Then that's been taken away from you. You know, where does that leave you? I'm empty. The only in the only information I know I can trust is from QAnon. That's the only place I can go to get the truth. That's the only place where I feel like I'm not crazy, you know. Ah. And then we find out she's not related to Van Tuchelbo. I'm ecstatic. I'm like, I get my wife back, but I don't know what happened. Maybe she was in too deep. But for some reason, this made her get in the QN. I think she said something about it being Hillary Clinton's fault. And the worst bit is, she still got that fucking Dutch accent. It's not good. It's not good. No disrespect to Dutch people. I love the accent. But what she's doing, not that. It's not good. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Angela. Um, I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry that this happened to you. It, it's uh, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. It sounds like a horrible experience. What do you want to say to our listeners, some of whom may have seen the adverts for the Kinberetum? What's your advice? I would say uh, there's a lot of different genealogy tests out there. Please, if you see anything related to the Kinberetum, you might have to read the small print. They could be calling themselves something different. If you notice a real clunky portmanteau, be advised that you need to do a little more snooping. And I would say the only place that you can trust if you want to find out you're uh, connected to someone famous, if your hope is you go in hoping, oh, I want to find out who I'm connected to who's famous, go to Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. That is the only place where you're going to send your spit in, they're going to process it, and you will find out that you're connected to Kevin Bacon. So that that's a service that exists, is it? That you can you can send off, and they can tell you. Do they tell you how closely related you are to Kevin Bacon, or just that you are? I, I think they just tell you that you are. Well, best of luck with everything at the uh, USDA label printing factory. Um, I hope, even though all this stuff's happened to you, you're still able to stay on the on the positive side. And I think that that speaks to your spirit and your uh... and the power of Q. Yes. Well, no. Well, let's not go too much further into that. Thank you, Angela. A big thank you to Angela and David for those interviews. We approached the Kinberetum and were sent the following statement. Generating a family tree from a saliva sample is not an exact science. While it may not be strictly scientifically true that Angela is related to Christoffel van Tuchelboot, as Americans, we are all, in a way, the children of van Tuchelboot, the founding father of beef. Hard to argue with that. Then the Kinberetum offered to do my family tree for free, so I sent them my saliva and one week later the results came back and it turns out I'm related 
to none other than Christoffel van Tuschelboot. I, I just couldn't, I mean, I, I can't think of a person I'd rather be related to. Oh my God. I also sent my saliva off to the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon service. The results came back this morning, and apparently I'm not connected to Kevin Bacon, which is weird. Anyway, that's all we have time for this month, but if you're after more beef and dairy news, get over to our website now, where you can find all the usual stuff, as well as our off-topic section, where this month we kick an Easter egg into a lake and ask, is this art? So, until next time, beef out. Thanks to Janet Varney and Ify Inadaway. This episode is coming out as part of the Maximum Fun block party. The idea is that podcasts on the MaxFun network, like this one, bring out episodes that are welcoming to new listeners. And maybe this one was. Who knows? But I also thought it would be nice to have both my guests on this month's show be other MaxFun hosts. So why not check out their podcasts? Janet Varney makes the JV Club. The JV Club podcast, JV Club with Janet Varney, that stands for Janet Varney, but it also sort of works for Junior Varsity because I talk to people about their awkward teenage years. Uh, turns out that s- some of the most famous and charming among us, including your John Hams, your Christina Hendricks, uh, everybody has like an awkward, weird time as they're growing up. And we also realize that some things haven't really changed that much. It's just kind of what clothes we put over those feelings. So it's a wonderful way to get to know people you've never heard of, but also hear about people that you are a fan of and find out uh, that you probably have more in common with them on the inside than you realize. So John Hamm wasn't born suave. He was not born suave. All right. Well, thank you, Janet. Goodbye. (gasps) Thank you. Goodbye. And Ify is a host of Maximum Film. Maximum film. We look, it's the the general uh, pitch of it is it's a film review podcast that isn't just three white dudes. Uh, we we go through movies that have come out before and new movies that are coming out, and I think it's fun, interesting takes because we have three very different philosophies and views on cinema. Okay, so what's your what's the biggest clash? Uh, I think Pacific Rim is a perfect movie. No one else agrees with me. <laughs> no one else on earth. No one. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> well that's that's maximum film give it a go it's a it's a wonderful podcast and thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having me and thank you dear listener for listening bye hey there i'm ellen weatherford and i'm christian weatherford and we've got big feelings about animals that we just gotta share on just the zoo of us your new favorite animal review podcast we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't Rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual, real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us, which can now be found in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's John Moe. And look, these are challenging times for our mental and emotional health. I get it. That's why I'm so excited for my new podcast, Depression Mode. 
We're tackling depression, anxiety, trauma, stress, the kinds of things that are just super common but don't get talked about nearly enough. Conversations that are illuminating, honest, and sometimes pretty funny with folks like Kelsey Dara, Open Mike Eagle, and Patton Oswalt. Humphrey Bogart was never in therapy. And then my dad said, yeah, but he smoked a carton of cigarettes a day. So he was in therapy. Plus psychiatrists, psychologists, and all kinds of folks. On Depression Mode, we're working together, learning, helping each other out. We're a team. Join our team. Depression Mode for Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.